In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Happy New Year to you all. Um, looks like the cold has taken its toll on people. But um, it's a beautiful time of the year because we are making new beginnings. And one very good thing about new beginnings is that we want to look at how we start. We often have very good intentions and we often want to do the right thing and stop the wrong thing. That, that's a given. But we're also told by our Lord that our acts, our decisions, our words, everything we do comes from our hearts. And so our hearts must be in the right place. If, my, if our hearts are occupied with the tangible, with the worldly, with the earthly, that's where our intentions, our deeds, our words are going to be as well. Second epistle of St. Peter, chapter 3, verse 14. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot and blameless. Be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot and blameless. How many of us would hold ourselves to that level of accountability? We're willing to cut corners in lots of things. <clears throat> and the first amongst them, unfortunately, is our spiritual life. Um, we almost put ourselves into a, a state of, of ease where we convince ourselves that being spiritually diligent, being circumspect, paying attention to detail is somehow just religious fanaticism. It's like I'm being extreme. But I will hold myself to much higher account in terms of my studies, my career, even my relationships with people. But when it comes to God, it's you've got to be open-minded. You've got to be accepting. You've got to just let things by. And, and I would agree with that. But not everything. It's a well-known fact that the higher we set our targets, the higher we will achieve. So if I set my target, my expectation, down at quite a low level, then I will either, I will either meet it or I won't. I will possibly fall short of it. But if I hold it up to an expectation, and that becomes my target, that becomes what I want, then at least if I fall short of that, then I will also have achieved more than I could have without it. We worry about Judgment Day. And I think we worry about Judgment Day for all the wrong reasons. We worry because we don't want to be punished. We worry because we want to get into the kingdom. And as I've told you before, my view, and I'm, I'm hoping to pass that on to you, is that getting into the kingdom is not about being in heaven. That's not what it's about. It's not about being in a nice place. It's not about being in the absence of suffering. It's about being with God, wanting to be with Him because we love Him. 
And that love starts from now. It starts from this world, where we are at the moment. And if my heart is distracted by other things, occupied by other things, then it's not going to be as exciting for me to busy my mind with him. Imagine two people getting to know each other. Relationship. The relationship builds, and they want to spend more time with each other, and they like each other's company, to the extent where they want this relationship to be long-term. And it, it leads to, to marriage. Likewise with God, we almost want to live our lives gallivanting around with sin, with Satan, with the world, making wrong decisions, having God in the background somewhere, and then when it comes to the Day of Judgment, the next life, that I want to suddenly dedicate myself to Him and spend eternity with Him. It does not, it's not how it works. A relationship is a relationship. Whether it's God or anyone else, a relationship is a relationship and needs to take the same shape. It needs to start with me wanting to spend time with Him. Seriously wanting to spend time with Him. Not just because I'm fearful, not just because of I, ha I have exams, or because I have a decision to make, or because I have a deadline to keep, but I want to be with Him because I love Him. Because I want to spend time with Him, because I feel comfortable and I feel comforted in His presence. But that's only going to happen if we rid ourselves of distractions. If we rid ourselves of distractions, of difficulties, if we take out of the equation the things that get in our way, then we'll be able to occupy ourselves with Him even more. We'll be able to look at Him and say, yes God, I want to spend my time with you. I want to share this time with you. At the beginning of a year, we like to dedicate things. So this year will be for this or for that. And many of us will say, this year I want to spend more time with God. Stop thinking about the year and think about today. It's well known that in many instances, when we make very long-term plans, if we don't have the means to maintain them, if we don't have the desire, if we don't have the intent, then they'll fall by the wayside. They'll just go. But, if I just live for today, saying, Lord, I want to dedicate today to you. And today is split up into a series of hours. If we remember him in our work, if we remember him in our studies, if we remember him in what we do, in our daily decisions, we can't get up in the morning, go to work, just do what we do, get on with anything we get on with, and then suddenly, at the end of the day, want to be transformed into these people who want to spend time with God. Why? We, hopefully, we don't have a Jekyll and Hyde personality. We don't become worldly and tangible and material and, and ruthless during the day and then suddenly turn into mild-mannered, lovely Christian person in the evening. It doesn't work that way. 
We are who we are all the time. Or at least that's the way we should live. So as we start our day, we look at God and say, God, you know what? I want to be with you now. I want you to bless this day for me. And as I go through my day, I remember him. Thank you, Lord, for doing this, and please help me with that. And you run across someone in the corridor and say, please remember this person. She's having a problem. She's having a difficulty. We continue to move through different stages of our lives. And those stages are just a series of days, of single days, where I look at this day, I live it, and then have aspirations out of today to also live tomorrow. And it just becomes natural. It becomes natural. It becomes a way I live. Again, if you go back to these two people getting to know each other, it comes from, yeah, I should really ask. I should make a phone call. To the natural thing is to make a phone call every day. Natural thing is to speak several times a day. Natural thing is to want to see each other. Natural thing is, it's not enough. I want to be with you for the rest of my life. And so the same thing with God. I want to speak to you. I want to pray to you. I want to spend time with you. I want to read your word. I want to stand before you in prayer. I want to share this emotion with you. I want to share my aspiration with you. And then we look at exactly what he provides for us. Be careful that we don't just turn our hearts into a respective vacuum. So, dedicating our hearts goes through a process. First, we need to assess them. Look at my heart, look at what's in it. And then take out what is not appropriate. Take out what occupies it. Take out what changes my mindset, my desire, my focus. Take all of that out. The problem is that if I take that out, and as I've said before, if I don't replace it with something else, then it becomes even more dangerous. It'll become a new addiction, a new preoccupation, a new habit, a new unhealthy lifestyle. And that's what our Lord warns us of in, in Gospel of Matthew, St. Uh, Matthew chapter 12. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes out through dry places, seeking rest and finds none. Then says, I'll return to the house from which I came. And when he comes, finds it empty, swept and put in order, he brings seven more spirits with him. What is it talking about? I will depose sin from my heart. I will throw things out. And with anything that we live with, it can come back. Think about any sort of addictive practice you have. Think about something that you find as a habit and you find it very difficult to kick. You may rid yourself of it for a day, two, three, a week, but then you feel it coming back. You're feeling wanting to re-enter your life. If there is nothing new in your life that stops it from coming in, it will re-enter. 
Give it a day, a week, a month. Unfortunately, it will re-enter. But if I rid my heart of these destructive elements and then replace them with something that, that is more constructive, that helps me more, that is more positive, I rid myself of the negatives in my life and then put in positives. You know, you have an unhealthy relationship. I don't just mean romantic, I mean just even friends, colleagues at work, anything, any sort of relationship. And it takes you down wrong paths. And, you know, you don't want to sit and gossip. You don't want to sit and, and, and do this or do that or go here or say this joke. or this, These relationships that, that draw on our energy. And suddenly you make a decision think, okay, fine, I don't want to deal with this anymore. I can't, I can't become a better person if I'm in this situation. And if I rid myself of that situation, because at the end of the day, my commitment is primarily to myself first. Yes, we talk about commitment and faithfulness to friends, but if those friends don't want to move forward with us and they keep dragging us back, if I am not strong enough to drag this person forward with me, I must let this person go. I have to, otherwise we're both dying. We're both going to die. We're both going to collapse. We're both going to fall. So I come to this situation thinking, okay, fine. I don't want this anymore. Now, if I don't end up replacing that with healthy relationships in my life, and again, I'm not just talking about romance, I'm talking about friends, good friends. I'm talking about people who are around you, who are supporting you. If I don't replace that with positive, helpful relationships, people who can inspire me to do the right thing, who can encourage me to do the right thing, who hold me to account in the right way, who tell me when I'm getting things wrong, who can make me a better person. If I don't replace my, my toxic relationships with these positive relationships, then I'm going to be vulnerable. We're not going to live at islands. Even someone like myself who goes to the monastery. Right? We don't leave the world to become hermits all of a sudden. We live as part of a monastic community. There is still a community around you. So although I have chosen this lifestyle, I have a community. And then when I come here, I have a wider family that I'm serving. I have all of you. I have people I'm responsible for. So you cannot be alone. If you cast out toxic relationships, then you need to introduce positive, helpful, healthy relationships. Because otherwise, you cast out those toxic relationships, you'll be alone one day, you'll think, I can't live alone like this. I need, I need support, I need, I need fellowship, I need friendship. I need to have a conversation, I need to spend some time. And in that vulnerability, you will find that sometimes what is easiest is just reverting to what we know. Even though we are fully convinced that what we know is toxic, we sometimes delude ourselves into thinking it'll become better. It'll become different. It'll become a healthy relationship. 
St. Gregory the Great says, the more the heart of a sinner is consumed by the fire of love, the more fully the rust of sin is consumed. So, the more my heart is consumed with the love of God, the more it is purged of anything else that is inconsistent. And he used the term rust. Now, rust is is an interesting it's an interesting image. Anyone who you, you probably don't see it much in cars now, because most cars tend to be plastic. But uh, back when I got my first car, inevitably any first car was probably just rust held together by some things. Rust is something that you see only when it has become active for a long time. Imagine a car. A car has a layer of paint, and under it has a layer of primer, and under that has the metal. The rust doesn't start from the outside, because it can't get through the insulation. It starts from the inside. And it eats away at the metal itself. And you are totally oblivious to it. It's away gradually, slowly, but with intention. It only shows once the paint on the outside starts to bubble. And then you know you've got a problem. Sin in our lives is exactly the same. It very seldom starts powerfully and in a way that we notice it. Usually it's slow, it is intentional, it is meticulous, and it's effective. It eats up from the inside. It breaks us down very slowly. So we don't notice it. Now, even back then, if you see rust in a car, you fix it. You either sand it down, you cut out a little piece of metal, and you weld something in its place. There are ways to fix it. There is no sin in our lives that is not able to be fixed by the grace of God and by the power of God. If it's me by myself, I probably can't fix it, because it takes control of me. But by God's grace, if I have his love burning like a fire inside me and the imagery of fire again is beautiful because it's active it's powerful it, it, it has an it is it has and it is an energy and it purifies fire purifies and it purifies that rust within me that starts gradually and it eats at me gradually so I really need to be aware of my life we need to give ourselves more than the five minutes a day we give ourselves, spiritually. Am I okay? Am I awake? Yes, fine, check. Okay, now I can get on with my life. Where is my assessment of my heart? Is my heart really a place of God's dwelling? Or is it just something where I get a glance of God from a distance and that satisfies me and numbs my conscience for the rest of the day? Because if that's the case, 
this year is not going to be very different to last year if last year wasn't a good one. The only way to make this better is to start one day at a time. If you remember at the last St. Paul's service, one of the verses we focused on was that I may serve the Lord with faithfulness and righteousness all the days of my life. Right? If you look at all days of my life, you think, hang on, I'm not a monk, I'm not a nun. What do you mean all days of my life? How can I even plan for, you know, for, for the end of this week, let alone all days of my life? It takes one day. One day at a time. To actually serve God in faithfulness and righteousness, to live with God with purity of heart, all the days of my life means today, and then tomorrow, and then the day after, and the day after that, and that, and that. And even if one slips in the middle, I go back. And I keep going. So we often don't have those short-term tangible targets. We like to go for the grand scheme, the grand plan. This year I'm going to do this. That's fine if we can. But we can't always do it. How does God's word change our lives? Psalm 119 verse 11 says, Your word I have hidden in my heart, that I may not sin against you. God's word hidden in our heart is our safeguard. It's, it's our security. God's word hidden in my heart is what stops me from choosing things that are against his will. His word I read, his word I listen to, his word I share, his word I'm exposed to. All of those things. It's important to have God's word in our hearts. It's important to have it deep in our hearts. That's why if we're talking about reading our Bibles, yeah, you know, I haven't read it recently, but I, I have every intention I, I, you know, just suggesting to you, if you're going to meet with a confession father and he asks you how often you read your Bible, don't ever say, not as often as I should. Because that expression itself means, well, I really can't remember and it's not a pattern and I don't know. So you need to think of a new word because that one doesn't work on us anymore. But having that buried deep in our hearts means it, it's almost a, a, a test. It, it's a test. Um, you know that sometimes to, to detect substances, whether it's drugs or, or particular substances, sometimes you have a, a liquid. And once that substance hits that liquid, it changes to a, a certain color. They use it with narcotics tests in airports often. If it, you know, if it, if it's, if it's a rooted substance hits this liquid, it goes a certain color, and so you know that's what's there. If God's word is in my heart in the same way, the minute something hits it that shouldn't be there, I know what it is. I don't have to guess anymore. The minute I get that 
warning, it suddenly says, be careful. This isn't right. You don't need to test it. You don't need to try it. You don't need to do anything. It is already indicated that it is not the right thing. It's not healthy. There's already an indication that you must avoid it. And so that is a starting point. Having God's word buried deep in my heart, once I've cleared out the sin, is going to indicate to me straight away. And don't let things build up. We sometimes become complacent. Well, you know, it's just it's just one lie. It's just one word. It's just one joke. It's just one action. And one is followed by another, and another, and another, and another. And rather than having one speck of sand, it turns into a beach. It accumulates. You know what? Satan is so patient. He doesn't mind if that beach accumulates one grain at a time but he wants the beach to be there. He has no problem. He has the whole of your life to work with it. One grain at a time is absolutely fine because you won't detect it. And when you do, if it's late enough, you're going to feel so overwhelmed that you think there's no solution. I can't do anything about it. And so we just live with the status quo. We live with it as it is. So, be careful that you dust it away as it comes. And please don't get me wrong, we're still going to sin. We're still going to make mistakes. We're still going to fall. But if I'm able to clear it away very quickly, it doesn't become as destructive. It doesn't become as difficult to clear away as if I leave it for days, weeks, months, sometimes even years. As we start this year, let's focus on today. And then when we finish today, let's focus on tomorrow, and day after and day after that. Having a plan. Having a plan that I call myself to account every day. That I assess myself every day. That I clear away sin every day by repenting from it, and then that I clear it sacramentally when I sit in my confession, Father, and I, and I confess. Because that's the complete clear. And if we do that, we will have God's word deep in our hearts. It will be our safeguard. It will be our strength. It will be our purification. It will be our victory. And then, not only today, but tomorrow and the day after and next week and next month, we can really look at this year moving from one glory to the next. And this year is just a year in my life. And we go from glory to glory, from strength to strength, and from this life to the next, where we ought to be living with God. Not because we have to, not because we want not to be living away from Him, but because we love Him. We love Him we don't want to be without him, and we want not only to share this short life with him, but we want to share eternity with him. 
in his glory and his love and experiencing him the way he loves us as well. And glory be to God forever. Amen.